Hello and welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Uh, as always, I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Johnston and I am joined by Lead Pastor Dr. Paul Gibson. Hello everyone. Paul, your uh, your voice sounds a little <laughs> light today. Yes, well, um, so middle school basketball season has started and I think most of the community knows by now that uh, I'm coaching at uh, King Middle School. So we have had two games this week, Monday and Tuesday. And very first game on Monday, Jonathan, we're not three minutes into it. And one of my kids runs up, runs up to me and he says, coach, you're not going to have a voice. And uh, I mean, I'm even squeaking as I say that. And I look at it, I'm like, it's OK, man. I love it. So thank you all for listening and being patient with my uh, squeaky voice that's hoarse. The, the question I have is, is if you wear a Fitbit or something that steps, counts your steps, how many steps do you get <laughs> per game? Because Paul doesn't just sit and coach. Uh, I've seen video now of him running up and down the sideline. So how many steps do you get? You know, honestly, I haven't checked that. Uh, <laughs> but what I can say is both nights I've gone home and I have soaked through all my clothes. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he plays as hard as the players, it seems. Uh, so we are in the final week of the story. Yep. Uh, we started the story back. January. January. January 31st. 2021. Yeah. And now we are concluding the story in November. Of course, we took a summer break. Correct. But uh, chapter 31 of the story is about the book of Revelation. Correct. Again, another simple topic to very, handle in one week. Very simple. So so how do you plan to, to wrap up the story and handle Revelation in one week? Man, as I was preparing this week, my mind immediately went to, I think it's REM, it's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> yeah. And everybody yeah. wants to know, how is the world going to end? Well, spoiler alert, I'm not going to be able to tell you today. Well, actually, I'm going to be able to tell you how it all wraps up, how it specifically wraps up, <laughs> that I'm not qualified to say. Uh, but I think in order to grasp how uh, God's story is going to end, I think we need to go back to English class. And the reason we need to go back to English class is because um, if you took literature in, in high school or in college or and uh, some other educational level, uh, there's a very good chance you were taught the story pyramid. And when I first was introduced to the story pyramid, I was like, okay, that's cool. Stories have structure, et cetera, et cetera. But then once uh, I fell more in love with scripture and uh I got to read some really cool guys like Dan Allender and, and uh, uh, people like Donald Miller. They pointed out that the story structure that we see in uh, fictional stories is found in scripture. And I started looking at it and I began to realize, wait a minute, the story structure was not created by some literary <laughs> guru um, sitting in his or her office one day, but the story structure actually was created by God. And again, if you know anything about the story pyramid from literature class, you know, all stories begin with kind of a background mm -hmm. and then something occurs where uh, the, the story starts to accelerate. Um, Robert McKee, who's a, who's a very influential screen, screenwriter in Hollywood, uh, calls it the inciting incident when the protagonist's world is turned upside down. So you have background, the inciting incident, and then you have rising action. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is the pyramid going upward. And then you have at the, at the peak of the pyramid, the climax. And then after the climax, you have the falling action, and then you have the resolution. And when I started looking at scripture, and again, 
I was looking at it, but these are not my original ideas. You know, if you look at scripture, Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of the background. We're introduced um, to, uh, well, actually, I would say Genesis 1 through 3 is kind of the background. We're introduced to God making this perfect creation. Mm -hmm. And then what do we see in Genesis 3? It's the inciting incident. The perfect creation is turned upside down when sin entered the world. So I would say that everything from Genesis 3 until the time of Jesus is the rising action. Mm -hmm. Scripture in the Old Testament builds towards the coming of the Messiah. And then Jesus comes, and, and I think the climax is actually his life, but the climax of the climax is his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Because we know that through his life, death, and resurrection, that sin and death have been defeated. So then Jesus resurrects, and then you have the falling action in the Old Testament, which I would say is everything from Acts through Jude. Um, so what's the falling action? How does the climax play out in the story? How does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection play out in the scriptural story what's through the church and then we get to where we are this week <laughs> which is revelation and whenever i'm teaching revelation or wherever or whenever i'm trying to to emphasize our calling as christ followers i like to act ask an audience or a class has the world ended yet right obviously the answer is no <laughs> so what that means is revelation has not completely been played out right and and we can get into the different views on revelation later but the absolute fact is we are still here. Mm-hmm. So God's story is still being written. It will wrap up one day. It will come to a conclusion like all stories do, but it hasn't yet. And we're still here and we're called to play a part, which leads us to where we are today. Yeah, which right in the middle of, or I mean, we're, we're actually going to read from towards the end of Revelation. Correct. So we're towards the end of the end. Yeah. Um, because... Revelation is an interesting book. Uh, if anyone hasn't studied it, I would recommend it. you're supposed to read it. It tells you that in the start of Revelation. Yeah. Uh, it is It is one of the books of the Bible with promise. Yep. You know, um, so don't be afraid of it. Just nope. understand that if you read it, it's a lot of symbolism. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't get stuck in the weeds trying to figure out maybe who the, who the what is and, and all those things, right? Yeah. So we're going to look today at Revelation chapter 19. Uh, specifically, we're, we're picking up in verse 11, correct? Correct. Uh, so, uh, Revelation 19, starting in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe stained with blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. From his mouth came a sharp sword so that with it he might strike the nations. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out in a loud voice, saying to all the birds flying in midheaven, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of their riders, and the flesh of everyone, both free and slave, small and great. All right, so when we see a movie like Avengers Endgame, or we see the battle in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or in Chronicles of Narnia, or we see some of the great battles from uh, J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. or we see uh, Braveheart, Right. 
we're on the edge of our seat because it's not just team one versus team two or group one versus group two. There's always a group that we are compelled to cheer mm -hmm. for the good guys. Mm -hmm. And there's a group that we want to lose the bad guys. Right. Another way we could say it is it's a battle between good and evil. Mm -hmm. Well, what we see in revelation 19 is the ultimate battle, the ultimate good versus evil, good guys versus bad guys, heaven versus hell battle. And I just love the imagery here, Jonathan, and I'm so glad you pointed out a few minutes ago that in order to understand Revelation, we have to understand the symbolism of it. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Revelation is God's inspired word. Mm -hmm. I think there's mm -hmm. nothing but truth in it. But we have to be careful. If we take Revelation literally, right. I think we miss some of the points of it. But, yeah. but I digress. Let me get into it here. So what do we see in verse 11? I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. It's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what we see in verses 11 through 13 is this immaculate, powerful description of the king of kings who this time is not going to be birthed into a manger. Right. This time he is coming back to set things straight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's so beautiful about this passage is I have no doubt that he himself by himself can, can make things straight. Right. But then to me, the powerful, beautiful mystery of it's verse 14. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Well, who are the armies of heaven? <laughs> well, I think if we take Revelation as a, uh, if we were to read the entire book and, mm -hmm. and follow along with some of the themes, I think very possibly, Jonathan, the armies of heaven here are me and you, mm -hmm. are other Christ followers who by this time, have given their life to Christ, right. have lived for Christ. Some of us at this point, I think, will have been martyred. Mm -hmm. Some, well, we know that there have been Christians all throughout centuries, mm -hmm. throughout history that have been martyred. So I think what we see is here we have Jesus riding in to fix things, and he doesn't do them by himself. Right. So, you know, we see that in, in Jesus is going to be this, um, this warrior Verse 15, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Mm -hmm. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. I, I used to struggle with this, with the concept of God's wrath. Because right. to me, it just made God look like this very angry, vindictive, vengeful God. Mm -hmm. But then one day I was reading an author and the author challenged uh, the readers to think through what if wrath or what if the sole purpose of God's wrath is to clean up evil? Mm -hmm. What if God's wrath is very purposeful when it comes to eradicating sin? And when I was listening to the author, it clicked in me. I want God's wrath to come back one day because I want God's wrath to put an end to sin. I want God's wrath to put an end to evil. I want God's mm -hmm. wrath to put an end to cancer. I want God's wrath to put an end to sexual abuse. I want God's wrath to put an end to whatever ugly sin that rears its mm -hmm. ugly head in this earth. And what this passage is saying is that Jesus is going to come back one day and he's going to eradicate all sin. He is going to eradicate all evil, but it, but it builds some more. Mm -hmm. We see that, you know, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then we see this angel. This is kind of <laughs> gruesome. Yeah. Yes. And, and I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come gather together for the great supper of God. So you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. Jonathan, first time I read that, I was like, ugh. <laughs> but again, every ounce of evil 
that has existed, that will exist up to this point, Jesus is coming back to clean up all of it. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever been a nation, if there's ever been a ruler, if there's ever been an entity that has set out to thwart the plans of the kingdom of God, the king's going to show, show up and, and set it straight. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an epic um, image, right? Uh, you were talking about the, the wrath of God wiping the earth away, and instantly I thought of uh, the scene in, in the film, the two, uh, the two towers at the end of it, when uh, Treebeard and, and the Ents mm-hmm. break the dam of water so that the water comes and washes all the impurities of Isengard yeah. and, and washes And I think one of them even says something about like the smell of, of all that being washed away. Yeah. There's just this cleansing that happens. Yeah. Um, so yes, if we if we view wrath as the cleansing of evil things, it changes the perception. Absolutely, and and I think again, story here, meaning we are looking at the ultimate story. God is a great story writer. So we've seen in verses eleven through eighteen the buildup of all the good. Mm-hmm. The King of Kings is on his horse with his army, getting ready to eradicate evil. But then what do we see in verse nineteen? Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. So again, it's Braveheart. It's in Avengers Endgame. It's Lord of the Rings. It's the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. All the forces of evil mm-hmm. are rearing their ugly heads in order to fight the king, our king, and his army. So imagine whatever movie, if you're listening right now, imagine whatever movie or book you can think of where there's this epic battle getting ready to be mm-hmm. fought. You're sitting on the edge of your seats, waiting to see what's going to happen. For me, I keep referring to Avengers Endgame. It was at Endgame. I remember being in a theater in Nashville. Me and uh, some pastor friends were at a conference. We broke away from the conference. We went to opening night of Endgame. And there's a scene in that movie where it looks like Captain America by himself mm-hmm. is going to take on all the evil forces of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you're not an Avengers fan or Marvel fan, hold on here. I'll tie it all together. And then all of a sudden, all the forces of good show up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. It's all the forces of, of good versus all the forces of evil. And I'm, I, I kid you not, I was in the movie theater thinking, this is revelation. Mm-hmm. And, but there was a difference between what we saw in Endgame and what we see in Revelation. They had to fight. Right. They still almost lost the battle. Right. But here's what's so crazy about what we read. Again, verse 19, Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. They are ready to fight. Mm -hmm. But then in verse 20 we read, (laughs) But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. Yeah. It's like there's all this buildup. And it's just... And it's, yeah. and it's immediately game over. Right. Yeah. And in some ways, if it were a movie, I'd be like, oh. Oh, that was, yeah. <laughs> right. But right. Yeah. the reason it was already over or the reason it will be already over is because the battle was already won. Right. And I think Satan and his evil minions and, and all the forces of evil that are going to be gathered that day, they're going to be overlooking the fact that Jesus won it on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that Jesus wanted on the grave. Yeah. And, you know, as, as people look at society and they grow depressed and they lose hope and, and I get it. And if you're depressed today, please get help. 
it, but people people can have a very pessimistic pessimistic outlook on where we're going as a society. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say, sitting here, that I have hope, and the reason I have hope is not because I think human beings are going to step up and clean everything <laughs> up, but because God promises us through His Word that there's going to come a day when Jesus and all His armies are going to gather together to fight a battle, and they're not even going to have to fight. Mm-hmm. Because he already won that battle on the cross, yeah. and it, it to me it, that is one of the most beautiful um, scenes in Scripture. Yeah, well, and, and you already pointed out it's almost as if the beast and his followers they're they're gathering prepared for a battle when really they're being summoned to their judgment. Absolutely, I mean that they they <laughs> they are walking into their end. Which not a very holy reference here, but I think of that uh, scene in Tombstone. Uh, when Val Kilmer's character right. shows up and yeah. says, uh, you know, I'm your Huckleberry, yeah. which I didn't know this, but the term Huckleberry was used back in the day as a metaphor for Undertaker. Mm-hmm. So Kilmer, or, so Val Kilmer's character is looking uh, at the at the evil knucklehead saying, I'm here to take you down. Like, yeah. this is not yeah. going to be this, a fight. This is the end for you. The end. Yeah. Um, I want to point something else out. Um, a lot of uh, processes or, or a lot of... Uh, rhythms and stories have this type of sequence tension builds to a battle Mm -hmm. and then after a battle there's a wedding Mm -hmm. and then after there's a wedding there's a celebration i went to uh, robin hood uh, prince of thieves and i remember uh robin hood uh and and fighting um i can't think of the, the evil character's name right now uh, but in, in Prince of Thieves, it's uh, Prince Prince John, right? Or no, it's the Sheriff of Nottingham. The Sheriff of Nottingham, that that's right. Yeah. But after he overthrows, after he defeats the Sheriff of Nottingham, again, in this epic battle, he gets to marry um, Marian. Lady Marion. Mm-hmm. And it's so neat because you have battle, then you have a wedding, which is so cool because at the end, King Richard shows up, and we know that King Richard <laughs> is, is played by Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. Yeah. And then after that, there's a celebration. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're a story fan or a movie fan, if you're listening, look at all the stories like Prince of Thieves that have that sequence. Battle, wedding, celebration. Dude, it's in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We see the battle or lack thereof in 19. (laughs) Right. And and we see evil like completely defeated in in chapter 20. Like there's a very Mm -hmm. thorough description of how evil is completely and finally eradicated. Right. And then we see in verse or chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Mm-hmm. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So what does the end look like? It's going to be a wedding. Yeah. It's going to be a wedding of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down, as Scripture says, and I want to be very specific here, um, coming down out of heaven from God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to think that when, when it's all said and done, that we're going to float to heaven on a cloud. But <laughs> yeah. here, man, when I read Revelation, it's almost as if God makes everything new, mm-hmm. which means that we're not necessarily going to float away 
right. to heaven on a cloud. Heaven's going to be here. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the wedding of the new heaven and new earth. Um, and it says here, coming down as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Well, who's the husband? Christ is the husband. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see this wedding where the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem um, are consummated, for lack of a better term, with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you know what we're going to have in that moment? Absolute peace. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrews use the word shalom mm -hmm. for peace. It's a word that, that honestly we have no really good English definition for. Right. And then we see in verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are faithful, or these words are trustworthy and true. So we have a battle, and then we have a beautiful wedding, and then, man, we have the celebration. And what's the celebration? It's us being with Christ forever, with the Father forever, with the, Son, uh, with the Holy Spirit forever um, in heaven. So I can't tell you specifically how it's all going to end, right? but I can tell you that evil is going to be eradicated. The king and his armies are going to take care of business. And then we're going to see a wedding. And then after that wedding, we're all going to have one continuous long celebration. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if I'm hearing you correctly. It doesn't really matter how, how we get there. Right. Yeah. It's just you want to be there. Yep. Uh, and, and in that moment uh, for the celebration to top all celebrations. Yep. Uh, but yes, I, I, think, I think a lot of times we miss the fact that this, this concept of new creation means we, we get to see all of creation the way God intended Yep. before man messed it up. Well, so there you go. You, most stories have what's called an epilogue. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, a, okay, now this is what's going on. Right. Well, the epilogue of Scripture is the beginning. Right. And that, that's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> if, if a person really looks at 21 and 22 of Revelation— they look so much like Genesis 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. So the epilogue is, it looks like the beginning. And like I think back to Braveheart when um, Mel Gibson's character dies and William Wallace. When William Wallace dies, he wakes up and he doesn't see the king's wife. He sees his original wife mm -hmm. who was killed earlier in the movie. Yeah. So that, that whole story wraps up with her being with him. Well, how is this going to wrap up? It's going to wrap up with us being with God, like Adam and Eve were with God in the garden. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know how the story is going to end, and we talked a little bit about it today, look at how the story began. Right. Perfect community with God, no sin, in a beautiful place where everything was perfect. Yeah. And, and it is an interesting concept. Uh, I, I don't remember now who sang it, but there was a song uh, called The End is the Beginning. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what it deals with is this idea that the end in scripture is, is a return yeah. to the perfection of the beginning. Uh, and so, so yeah, wherever we are uh, in life, we definitely want to see the day when, who doesn't want to see the day as in verse four of 21, where death no longer exists, nor grief, nor crying, nor pain. Who doesn't want to see that day? Yeah. Uh, so very encouraging. Um, so while we wait, as we wrap up, while we wait, Paul, what, yeah. what do we do as Christians? Because we don't know when this day is coming. Nope. So what do we do while we wait? We hold on to hope. I want to I wanna leave you with a C.S. Lewis quote from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Aslan is resurrected, which is another fantastic scene in, in, <laughs> in movie lore and book lore, 
um, Lucy and Susan are confused. Like, we just saw you die last night. Why are you alive today? And, and Aslan says this. And if you know the line, the witch in the wardrobe, Aslan is the Christ figure. Mm -hmm. He says, the witch would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. And dude, I think the New Testament in a lot of ways is the Old Testament working backwards towards Eden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus died, we were on a journey once again, yes, to heaven, but there is this strong correlation in scripture, connection. I think it's the same place. I think heaven's going to be Eden remade. So if you're listening today and you're wondering, well, like Jonathan asked, what do we, what do, we do? What do I do? We have a few commands. The first command is love the Lord your God with thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God, chase after God, pursue God, get to know him more through prayer, through reading scripture, through being part of a church, through being a community. And then the second one is love your neighbor. The only way the world is going to know that we're Christ followers is if we love like Christ. Because we're broken, messy, sinful people, we're going to screw up. But you said it so well one time in a sermon, we're not supposed to say bro stay broken, messy, sinful people. We've got to repent of that and turn back to Christ. So I think a lot of our ability to love others will become stronger when we confess and repent and show our weakness. But then the last part is love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not some Hollywood type love. That is seeing yourself appropriately, appropriately the way God sees you, understanding you're made in God's image. And he has uniquely, his, this is where we're going to end. And he has uniquely created you in his image to be a character in his story. Mm-hmm the story we've been studying. Yep. So my final words are this, play your character well. Yep. And, and very well spoken, and that does wrap up the story. Uh, again, <clears throat> we uh, hope that this podcast, Ministry of Harrisburg Baptist Church, the Sharing Our Journey podcast is a blessing to you as you listen. And we would love for you to join us in person, 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning for Bible study. 10.30 a.m. for worship or 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights for all age groups. Uh, we would love to see you in person. Stop by and say hi. Uh, 312 South Main Street, Harrisburg, Kentucky. Until next time, go with God and play your part in the story.